This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. This is Kevin Dyson, former Tennessee Titan, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. This is Two-Tone Uncensored. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Moreland. With me tonight, my good friend and non-crackhead, Matt Necrone. What's up, Matt? Drugs are bad. That they are. And also with me, as always, Glenn Lotzenheiser, who just had a real close run-in with the law. I'm still a free man. No one has to be my prison bitch. It's all going to be okay. I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to watch some Earl Campbell videos and it's all going to be all right. <laughs> I like that you assume that you would not be the bitch that whoever you were with would be the bitch. That's good. You can't go in with that attitude, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's good. Um, before we jump into the show, I'd like to remind everybody, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on our website, twotoneuncensored.podbean.com. And check out the Know Your Enemy articles every week. Uh, Glenn writes these really in-depth pieces about our upcoming matchups, what to watch for, what players we need to be looking at, um, what schemes, what designs are going to be running, stuff like that. It gets really in-depth, far more in-depth than we can get into during the show, so definitely check those out. But let's jump right into the mailbag here. Tyler Musson sends this one in, and it's a good one here. He said, aside from the few touchdown scoring players that we usually talk about, like Delaney, like Marcus, like DeMarco, is it safe to say that the player most deserving of recognition this week is Dennis Kelly? Dennis Kelly is probably one of the main ones that does deserve recognition. He definitely stepped in in a crucial time. I know a lot of us were worried when Luan got ejected. He's probably definitely worth consideration, but in my opinion, one of the guys that's not putting up points that uh, deserves more recognition, in my opinion, is uh, Bayard. He's definitely been one of my favorite guys on defense and on the whole team, for that matter. He led the team in tackles this week. He had a sack. Uh, he just seems to always be around the ball, real ball hawk. And I really like you know, what I'm seeing from this kid. I think in the future, he's definitely going to be a pro bowler. Yeah, Bayard was awesome. He got his first sack, which is really a big deal. You know, He made his stat numbers, but... I have to give it to Kelly because we didn't miss a beat. I didn't even notice that Luan wasn't in the game after he got ejected. I never saw any extra pressure coming from the side or anything. I was really impressed with a guy that I was really on the fence about in the first place. Yeah, it has to be Kelly for me, even though I was very impressed with what Bayer did. Kelly came in and had to fill some pretty big shoes. And I know that Luan's not like a cemented, you know, all-pro kind of a guy, but he's having an all-pro kind of a season this year. You know, week in and week out, rated the best tackle in football. And when we lost him early on, even though that we had the lead at this point, we were setting pretty, uh, I thought we lost the game right then. Like, honestly, I thought, I was like, this is over now. We're not going to be able to run the balls effectively. Marcus isn't going to have time. Kelly came in and played far better than I expected to him to play. And, I mean, I was really impressed. Not a, there's not enough you can say, really. I mean, he, was, he played an excellent game and, and definitely deserves a lot of recognition. But I want to bring something up real quick. Did you guys notice this during the game that Bayard, they really pronounce his name funny. Like every announcer that I've heard him say so far is always like it's two words, like by yard. Like they always Yeah, they, they really I did struggle. Not notice. I was listening to part of the game um 
on Sirius Radio with Mike Keith and Frank Wycheck. The second half, I listened to most of it on on that. I forget who we had. I think we had Moose was the national yeah broadcaster. I didn't notice what he was saying. I, I hate listening to the national guys. I, I do too. It was by yard, by yard, all <laughs> over the place. Like, shut the hell up, Sound man. Yeah, it was two ah. words. Everybody says it as a compound word, like by yard. With the tackle there, it, I mean it's it's so awkward. To, I don't know. That's something that I've noticed the last couple of weeks. But they were really bad about it this week. Let's jump into this question here. Chris Flint sends this one in. He asks, "Is our receivers' play really this good, or is Marcus's play pushing them to new heights?" I'd have to say the receivers are are probably slightly above average. I don't think we have that true number one guy yet, and I think that's something we do need to address next year. Uh, Marcus is definitely helping their cause. At the same time, you got guys like Delaney Walker who can make you know as many plays as he did yesterday. He had uh, nine catches for a buck 24 and a touchdown. He was all over the place. We do have a lot of consistent hands out there. It wasn't necessarily that way beginning of the season. We had a lot of the drops. We didn't know who exactly was where their best fit was as far as on the field goes. We didn't know who should be in what order with, you know, we had Andre Johnson out there occasionally. We didn't know where Harry Douglas was going to fit in. Now I think we got an idea of where everyone should be. And I think they they all help each other. But I do think we do need to address the wide receiver position moving forward and get that true number one guy to help Marcus grow even further. The, the wide receivers have improved. Um, you can see that they're all getting better throughout the season. Everybody is talking about how much Matthews has stepped his game up, and he's really made a change in the last few weeks about how sharp his routes are and how aggressive he is going for the ball. And Kendall Wright didn't have much of an impact this game, but people are paying attention to him, so he's helping the rest of the receivers by taking attention. Um, I said it going into this game that I thought that this would be a pretty good game for Sharp, and it was because the other two guys were demanding attention. So you know he's kind of the fifth thought in that process there, so it worked out well for him. The receivers are definitely stepping it up. But having a really accurate mobile quarterback who just demands attention when as soon as he starts moving out of that pocket, all eyes go to him. That helps everybody else on the field and makes them better. So I'd say it's a little bit that the receivers have gotten better. A lot of it's got to do with Marcus. I'd agree with that statement. I think a lot of it is Marcus and the way that he's been playing. He's really stepped up in the second part of the season. His numbers are unreal right now. I saw... A lot of stat comparisons going on between him and in the first two seasons of guys like Drew Brees and Brett Favre and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, and he, and he lines up very well with those guys in their first two years. You know, seen a lot of that kind of stuff. Very excited fan base, obviously, coming off a win like that. But I think that another factor is the game plan and the play calling. Uh, that we, Because this, in my opinion, is the best called game that I've seen for the Tennessee Titans since... Probably Steve McNair, Eddie George. They executed a bit perfect. The play calling was brilliant. We were really aggressive. We went after them. We knew that their weaknesses were at corner uh, because of the injuries that the Packers have had. And we, we attacked them. We went straight to them. We weren't afraid. This was a very gutsy and very well executed game plan that we had. I mean, we started the game with an onside kick, for Christ's sake. We went out gunning. I think Matt said it like 30 times in the messenger when me and him were watching the game that we're firing on all cylinders, and we really were. And it was just a, that was, I think, helped us out a lot, you know. 
the injuries, of course, play a part in it. We're playing a weakened secondary, you know, but and Marcus obviously has a huge part. The wide receivers have stepped up. Matthews, namely one of them, that really has stepped up. But the play calling as well has gotten cleaner. It's gotten far more. We're, we got rid of those cute plays. We kept talking about it every week. We need to get rid of the cute plays, and, and we did. And we Man, it's just fantastic. The way that we play called this game, Robisky and Malarkey deserve a lot of credit for this win because they pulled out all the stops and, and coached a really spectacular win. Uh, all right, so let's head into this next question here. Devin Mills asks, Why were we able to contain Aaron Rodgers and their tight end, Richard Rodgers, but we get gashed by Andrew Luck and Jack Doyle? What was the difference maker on defense? It's hard to say. I don't know if, if Aaron Rodgers is playing healthy or if he's he's not the Aaron Rodgers of old. Not to take away from anything that we did because it was, it was pretty impressive. He still lit us up pretty much. Our secondary still got lit up. I mean, he threw for 370 yards, 31 completions. So, I mean... It's tough to say. I think it's all about the mindset of the team, how we came out so aggressive. I think we never let up, which is obviously what we need to do. This is the first time where we didn't, you know, we, we literally played to win the entire game. And it was refreshing to see. I think the whole team bought into it. And I think once we get the ball rolling, I mean, it's, it's momentum plays a huge part. And I think we could do that to Andrew Luck and Phillip Rivers or whoever it may be. I don't think there's a QB in the league that to look at his stats and say that we did something to Aaron Rodgers, it doesn't seem like we did, but you look at the scoreboard and it's like, you know, pure domination. So it's hard to say when we have a weak secondary and he still kind of shreds them up a little bit, he's going to get his catches. Jordy Nelson had a field day yesterday. At the same time, we came out aggressive, we stayed aggressive, and when you make plays in other spots on the field, the secondary's weakness doesn't show as much when you're beating them by 25 points. Yeah, I think the biggest difference is that the Packers just don't worry about the tight end as much, and they were winning on the edges anyway, so they didn't have to change a, you know much about their game plan. I don't know that we did anything extra, Rodgers, other than Rodgers isn't a great tight end. It's just I think the game plan worked to the point where they were working the edges of the field because they could. They went after Cox quite a bit. I think they were too busy picking on him to worry about going after the middle of the field. I don't think it would have mattered what they did. I'm really curious to see how the Titans you know, roll into this next week here because we get another look at Jack Doyle. I think we'll all be watching just to see if things have changed that much. If the defense has gotten better or is it just you know this game and Doyle comes out and just kills us again? For me, this is a, a two-part answer here. Um, the first part is they only s- scored nine more points the Colts did against us than the Packers did so it wasn't that much of a difference really in the way that they were able to play but we just we our offense was a huge difference you know they say sometimes offense is the best defense that kind of worked out for us today you're not going to be beat very many times when you put up 47 points no matter who you are how bad your defense is and the NFL you know that was a huge difference maker and we had control of this football game from the start and we did not have that in that Colts game, obviously. So that would be one. Another one for me is we were far better getting pressure. We did uh, a terrible job getting pressure against the Colts. We talked about it then, how they were able to, you know, they dropped back, went in like a max protection kind of blocking scheme, and that shut us down with the Packers. We were able to find ways to get in there. Had like a handful of sacks, and it shows in the stat sheet the difference between those two games when it comes to the pass rush. Aaron Rodgers was still able to do a lot against us. He's, you know, still a struggling but really good quarterback. And so, I mean, it really wasn't that much difference in the game. Nine points difference, you know, before our defenses. But it really came down to the way our offense played. That was the biggest difference in my eyes, at least. Yeah, I don't think it would have made a difference. But one of the major uh, 
injuries that the Packers have is that tight end with Jared Cook. How salty would you guys be if Jared Cook decided to come back just to light us up for this week? I went and checked the injury report whenever I was getting ready for that game just to make sure he wasn't going to be playing. So I couldn't remember if he was out long-term or not. I was like, please don't let Jared Cook come in here and embarrass us. <laughs> yeah, it's like Kenny Britt coming back to shred us up. Yeah, I, just, I, I don't think I would have been okay with that. No, that would have sucked for sure. Uh, let's move on to the next question here, though. Wesley Thornton asks, After all the doubt and criticism that we had when we hired Malarkey, what are your thoughts on him now, and how is he changing people's minds? I've said the same thing from day one. I'll just pass this over to Glenn because I, you know, I'm sold. I've been sold. He's proved everything that I've said pretty much, you know, everything's come to fruition. I'm, I'm extremely pleased with where we're at. Uh, even Rubisky's play calling's coming together. This last week's been, you know, extremely, extremely impressive, but there's no way he's on the hot seat whatsoever. It shouldn't even come up again. Yeah. Shut up, crackheads. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a couple of weeks ago, Ryan and I both said we're on board with Malarkey at this point. And we, we lost the next game. I didn't put that on Malarkey. We won this game. I give this game a lot to Malarkey because they came out, the coaches came out here with a fearless game plan and, and took the game and never let the Packers really get involved. And if this doesn't get you on board, what the hell does a man have to do? Uh, yeah, I agree with what you guys said here. You know, at the beginning of the season, I think I was, out of the three of us, I was the most uh, skeptical of the hire. I thought that there was better guys out there. But, you know, I said a few weeks ago I was wrong. Uh, and he, he showed it. Malarkey's has this team. You know, they talk about every game you hear uh, the announcers talk about all the stuff that he does in the locker room and how – these guys have really reacted, and you see it in this game. You don't put up that many points, um, especially with a ground-and-pound offense uh, without the players really being hungry, really believing what the coach is doing. And he, he's made an incredible di- difference on this football team. Even if we lose this game, I'm still 100% behind Malarkey at this point. He's proven enough to me already uh, that I'm excited to see what he has for us in the future. And I, I think he's... Um, you know, of a hell of a football co- coach, and I'm glad that I wasn't making the decisions for hiring because I wouldn't have went with I wouldn't have went with Malarkey, and he's made all the difference for us. And the last question here, guys, Brandon Williams sends this one in. Right now, after this big win, what are your playoff expectations? It's it's tough to say. I think honestly, after a big win like that, if we play like that, we're even kind of like that again or consistently, we got a good shot to go anywhere we want to go. I, I still think we have a huge hole in the secondary, which is still. A major concern we're not exactly built for a deep playoff run but i've never seen the guys play like that either when you play aggressive with nothing to lose balls to the wall it showed and i think you know these next two games are definitely winnable we got the colts and then we got chicago we could go into our bye week at seven and five which nobody would have seen coming and not even uh you know I said it was basically in the beginning of the year was like a six to 10 win window. I don't think that we get to 10 wins, but seeing eight or nine is definitely a possibility. Seven and five could happen quicker than anyone thought. So as far as the playoffs go, you know, anything can happen. It's crazy how how much of a roller coaster this team puts you on because, you know, we lose a, a game that we basically shot ourselves in the foot, you know, multiple times against San Diego. The Minnesota game was the same way. The Oakland game, you could probably say the same thing. I mean, all these games that we've been in and lost close games, it's crazy to think that we had an opportunity to win every game we've played. So playoffs may not be that far-fetched, but I still think we, we do need to improve in the secondary and, and get a true 
true number one wide receiver. We do that. I think we're going to be set up for years to come. Just a couple of weeks ago, Ryan and I were breaking down the odds that we could make it to the playoffs. I think that since we had this game knocked down as a loss and we had the Chargers game knocked up as a win and the opposite happened, we're still back in that same conversation. We are just as likely to make the playoffs as we are to not make the playoffs at this point. Um, it all depends on a lot of what Matt said, You know, getting rid of the game-killing mistakes that we make. Marcus fumbling the ball, interceptions, bad coverage in the secondary, terrible tackling on the entire defense. If we can just contain those mistakes or make enough positive plays on our own that they don't matter, there's no reason we can't make it to the playoffs. Uh, this is the first game this year that we were plus three in the turnover category. We didn't make one, and they made three. It's so nice to finally be on the right side of that equation. And it's going to probably be the key to us making the playoffs at this point is if we can just stop with our turnovers and generate one or two a game you know, on the other team's uh, behalf. There's no reason we can't make the playoffs. Let's not get too high with this win. Uh, just as we were saying, let's not get too low after the Chargers loss. Probably we still split the next three games, and we need to upset one of those because we have three division opponents, and then we've just got to upset one of the other three non-division opponents, and we can get to the playoffs. Hey, before you answer, Ryan, let me throw this in here quick. Do you, you England, do you guys feel like the Texans are a deciding factor in our fate? Do you think that they can make a run and, and go on a streak? Because I'm looking at their schedule coming up. You know, they have the Raiders, the Chargers, the Packers, then the Colts. And I think all four of those games, you know, they could win those, but I think they will, you know, they have a, just as good a shot to lose all four of those games. So what do you guys think about that? I was just going to bring that up, Matt, you know, because I don't think with as you look at the AFC West right now and how clogged it is at the top. I don't think that Tennessee has the ability right now to get in on a wild card. I think we're going to have to win the division, and that's how Tennessee gets in. And that's not surprising. That's normally how it works, at least in recent years in the AFC South. So I think we're going to have to win the division, which means we have to get over Houston. And you look at the Raiders, I don't see them beating the Raiders, especially away. This week was the first time the Texans have won an away game all season long. And it was against the Jaguars, and they pulled it off by three points. They do not play well when they leave Houston. That's going to be a huge factor because they still have to play the Raiders in Oakland, the Packers in Green Bay, the Colts in Indy, as well as, you know, Week 17, they have to come to Tennessee. So they they don't have a lot of easy games left. Really, the Jaguars is the only easy game that they have left on their schedule outside of that you know the Bengals a team that I haven't mentioned that they play and the Chargers of course I think you see Houston start to nosedive from here to the rest of the season I think they're they're going to pick up some wins here obviously but you know setting a six and was it six and three right now you're going to see them fall far below that I think they're still going to end the season probably about eight and eight you know they do not play well uh, when they're on the road, and they have a tough schedule coming up. As for us, it's not out of the question now to get to nine wins. This is not one that we had listed. If we beat the Colts, we beat uh, the Bears, and we beat the Jaguars, there's three wins right there would put us at 8-8, eight and eight, and those are all very easily winnable games. So then it would come down to that Texans game on January 1st at home. I think that's what's going to – I think – that's going to be the game that decides the AFC South this year. If you look at our schedule, you look at their schedule, you know, I think that's where it lines up is whoever wins that game is going to represent the AFC South in the playoffs. Yeah, it's the same determination I came up with a couple of weeks ago uh, when I was talking to Ryan. It's all about that last game. We've got to win all of our division games so that if we end up tied, we're still in a good spot. Someone's got to win the division. And 
if they're both eight and eight, we've got to take that game off the Texans so that we have a shot at it. We just we can't afford to lose any more divisional games. It's the only way we're going to make it into the playoffs. Uh, so we've got to beat the Texans. I think we've got to get three more wins and beat the Texans to guarantee ourselves the uh, division. I can see that happening, man. I'm looking at it right now. You know, I obviously said the Colts, the Bears, then the bye week. If we win those two games going into – actually, it's a home game at uh, with Denver Broncos. That's a winnable game. I know they have a great defense, but you got to realize, and I'm not trying – I'm not being overly optimistic. Realistically, we have the fourth-highest scoring offense in the league right now. We've put up 35 points at least uh, last three games, which is, a, which is a franchise record. In the last six games, we're averaging 33 points a game, and we're 4-2 and two in that span. So, I mean, we can beat the Colts, I know. We can beat the Bears, I know. If we have that kind of momentum going into our bye week, and then we have Denver at home, and pretty much, you know, if the fan base is not behind us by that point, I don't think they ever will be. I think we can easily beat the Broncos. Now, the following week, we go into Kansas City, and, you know, that that's going to be tough. I don't know if we can overcome that one. But, I mean, after that, it's Jack, Jacksonville and, and uh, Houston. So it's not that far-fetched, man. I, I think we could end up with maybe nine, ten wins. I won't go as far as that, nine. Or, I think we could get to nine. That's a possibility for sure. I think we have to win out. Like Glenn said, I think we need to win every divisional game, and I think we beat the Bears. The Broncos are struggling right now, and they – don't do a lot on offense which helps us out but their defense is still really good I think that's still really hard to come by win and the Chiefs right now are quietly on a huge win streak I think this is their fifth straight win so obviously a tough team to play uh, and one that I think it's going to be tough to get a win there. Those two games are the only two games, though, that I would say I'm not picking Tennessee right now. Like, if you ask me right now to pick the rest of the season, those are the only two losses that I see. I don't think 10 is going to happen. I think it's going to end up being 9 as the number. You guys' arguments are perfectly valid. There's absolutely no reason why we can't get the 10. I just don't think it'll happen just because that never happens for us. <laughs> but if we get to the playoffs, all bets are off. There's no telling what this team can do. Because if you can play decent defense run the ball, and you've got Marcus throwing for four touchdowns a game. That's going to be an awful tough out you know, come playoff time. And it's just another testament to John Robinson and Mike Malarkey, what they've been able to do. You know, I know everybody's been talking about it, and I know it's overstated at this point even, but we've totaled in one season the same amount of wins that we had in the past two combined. That feels good. To get over that, you know, to get into something. Now we're setting a 500 right now and very optimistic about the future after downing uh, the Green Bay Packers, man, it's just, uh, if you would have told me this was going to happen at the beginning of the year, I would have told you you were smoking crack. Uh, this is far better than I expected us to be at this point. And, I mean, we are, like, fourth best in scoring. I mean, we're firing on all cylinders right now. We are uh, playing way above what I thought we'd be at this point. If you uh, want to th- talk about some of the, the stuff that we weren't expecting, I mean, it, it all goes back to Mario's play. There's been some crazy, after this past week, the, the records that this team has been setting is, is kind of ridiculous. We got Mariota has scored uh, two or more touchdowns in the last six straight games, which is also a franchise record tied with not Steve McNair, but Warren Moon. So, I mean, we're, we're looking past the McNair and Eddie George, and, and we're looking into the Warren Moon and Earl Campbell records that, that these guys are starting to creep up on. One thing I thought was kind of crazy was that this was the only time in Titans, well, with Delaney Walker, in Titans history, that the Titans have won the game with Delaney going over 100 yards. He's done it before a few times, but we've never won a game with that happening. 
That is interesting. And then, you know, we, we basically went over it a little bit, but Marcus was 10 for 10 for a buck 96, two touchdowns up until about two minutes and 30 seconds into the second half. Well, to, to go with the second half. He made his first completion with, with two minutes to go until halftime. I mean, like, what, what more can you ask from a second-year guy? Matt Castle would have completed that 11th pass. Yeah, true that. True that. But, I mean, like, they're, they're putting up ridiculous numbers, and it's, it's hard to doubt these guys when they're clicking because, I mean, you look at what they've done so far, and it's easy to say, ah, oh, they're not going to go anywhere with it. But if you play like they played the last few games, I mean, every game we lost is because we beat ourselves. If we can, if we can fix the mistakes that we're making, I mean, they're all winnable games. Take a look at the points we've scored this season, offensive only, uh, through the, the weeks. And it goes like 10, 16, 16, 20. I don't have it right in front of me, but I was looking at it earlier. It's like 10, 16, 16, 20, 24, 20, and then it's... All of a sudden, it's 36, 30, 35, 47. I mean, you can clearly see as the season goes on, our offense has just gotten better and better and better and better. And, I mean, hopefully this game wasn't just the peak. Hopefully it's, you know, it's more to come. But, I mean, fuck, if you the peak is scoring 47 points on the Packers, like, I'll be okay if we plateau from here. <laughs> yeah. I still remember going back to a couple of years ago when we played Green Bay. It was either on Christmas or around Christmas. That 55 to nothing slacking. That was a little bit of retribution for that. Yeah, I saw an awful lot of uh, memes about that game leading up to this one. Not so many that, now. I believe that game actually ended 55 to 7, didn't it? Didn't we score at the end? I don't know. Probably. I have no idea. I saw 55-0, the picture I saw. Either way, it definitely was. Like, it felt nice to get retribution and. And I know that I have family that are Packers fans, and, and Glenn has family that was Packers fans, so I've been talking a little shit, and it feels good to be able to do that to a team with you know that has been so historically good. Speaking of which, Ryan, how about the three quarters of the stadium that were Packer fans? There was a lot of them, and I wasn't surprised by that, but it was, that was the biggest away home field advantage I think I've seen all year. Yeah, all you could hear ring out through the crowd was, go Pack, go. Um, we've been saying it, and like... Look, at this point, like after this win, if your ass isn't gonna be in a seat, like you're just not you're just not gonna go. That's I mean you're not gonna go. After that big of a win against that team, you know, and what it means for this season and keeping the playoff hopes alive, if you're not gonna go now, you're just not gonna go. You're just not gonna be a fan that goes to games. Because I I mean, the fans that did go like that was your present for being you know a loyal fan getting out there you know getting your ass in a seat paying for those tickets there's your reward is you got to see probably the best Tennessee Titans home game in maybe a decade yeah probably more i saw i saw on one of the the pages uh, a titan fan up in the up in the high bleachers the uh, green bay fans all around him were cheering when they were i don't forget where they were at on the on the field but they were moving down the field and Green Bay fans are cheering, going crazy, and the guy's like, look at these idiots. He's like, scoreboard. <laughs> he was just making a fool out of all these people. It was hilarious. But I, I said, hey, man, because a lot of people brought it up, how, how many Packer fans there were. And um, I, I just said, hey, man, as long as they left there with a loss, I'm, they can they can spend their day there as long as they want. I don't give a shit. Just take the How rough is that, that long travel from Green Bay, Wisconsin, and Nashville, Tennessee, and then get – fucking shellacked by a team that you thought you were going to beat handedly. That's a that's a rough trip, so I'm glad they got to make that rough trip. But we got a lot more to cover. Let's head into the news here. Glenn, what do you got for us in the news? 
All right, so uh, leading the news stories, uh, Alshon Jeffrey has been suspended for four games. Substance abuse, that bitch just fucked up another part of my fantasy season. Uh, he had to give him much anyway, then he gets himself suspended. So uh, fuck Alshon Jeffrey. He can't come here. I don't care what you people were saying about him at the trade deadline. Yeah, there you go. Everybody was calling for him in the trade deadline. Looked like we dodged a bullet there. It really does. And Rob Gronkowski apparently has a punctured lung. So if he's on your fantasy team, Ryan, you may want to consider changing some things. Nah, nah. Gronk can play with one lung. One of his lungs is probably the size of the average canoe, so he can breathe on that. He vapes, so I'm pretty (laughs) sure he'll be all right. He'll he'll be fine. (laughs) Just plug some dirt in there. He'll be all right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Peyton Manning would play through. Not a big deal. As far as Jeffrey goes, man, I'm kind of glad. Obviously, we dodged a bullet, but... He he really hurt himself going into next season as a free agent. I mean, he, one, he can never stay healthy. My brother's a big Bears fan, and he's about fed up with him. He's like, the guy can never stay healthy, and now he gets suspended for four games. It's not like they were going anywhere this year. Speaking of fantasy football, in one of my leagues, I had to drop. Well, I didn't drop. I had I had Stafford on a bye and had to pick up somebody and unfortunately chose Jay Cutler, who is all-time garbage. Um, you know, they're, they're in a lose-lose situation. They're probably going to be picking – Probably about second or third this year in the draft, but Alshon really hurt his cause moving forward with a new team. Especially with a talented wide receiver right below him, you know, Kevin White, and the young guy that, you know, he was hurt the first season, but has come back now. I mean, you can cut a guy like Jeffrey now, like, pretty confidently, go into the draft, uh, get another guy to, to come up um, with White. And, you know, it's not like they're not going to be in real be- rebuilding mode anyway, so it makes them very easy to separate uh, for the Bears to separate themselves from him, too. Well, Cameron Bears has stepped up as the second wide receiver. Uh, how has Kevin White been doing this year, actually? He hasn't played. Yeah, That's he's, I thought. Why are we talking played. about him? I, had him? I drafted the guy. He hadn't done jack shit. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I mean, dude, the, the Bears the Bears are in complete rebuild mode. They're not going to have Cutler. They're not going to have Alshon. They'll have a, a broken Kevin White and a yeah. – uh, Speaking of people who can't stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kevin, Kevin White has 35 targets. He's caught 19 of those for 187 yards, no touchdowns. Yeah, awesome. He, he's definitely ready to take over the mantle as the number one. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, you have Jay Cutler sometimes as your QB this year. I mean, name a wide receiver that would do good in that system. You could put Antonio Brown there, and his stats aren't going to be Brandon impressive. Marshall. Yeah, with Jay Cutler sometimes healthy, sometimes not, this year's Jay Cutler, that's not going to happen. There's still going to be, what is it, two wins into the season, and they're not going to be impressive. There's no wide receiver that would succeed think, in that system. I think you need to let him go, man. He's gone. I, th- I think there's a legitimate chance that they just wipe their hands of all that crap and just start over next year. Hey, cut me <laughs> some fucking slack. I just had to cut Gino go after the second comeback got <laughs> shut down fucking five minutes into it. Let me hey, have man. some breathing room with Kevin White. There's still hope. You no, still have, there you still have Pac-Man. Yeah, there we go. That was like that was Christmas when he was drafted, man. I was a kid, favorite college team, my favorite pro team. Two years later – just like the most disappointing thing that could possibly happen happens. That was a stretch. There was a stretch of four or five years where our draft picks were disappointments. Yeah, it was pretty regularly too. It was before Rustin though too. It was that drafting was why Rustin got hired. Everything that's yeah, ever gone wrong with the Titans or Oilers is Rustin Webster's fault, in my opinion. I'm not entirely against that. It seems a little unfair, but fuck it, I don't care. <laughs> Kevin Dyson would have scored that touchdown against the Rams if it wasn't for Rustin Webster. Oh, man. All right, we're going to head into a quick commercial break here. When we come back, we'll dive even deeper into this Packers game and get you ready for this 
divisional matchup with the Colts coming up. So don't go anywhere. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads and we'll get right back to the show. Hey Titans fans, you've probably heard us talk about the group page several times on this show, and I'm sure you're wondering what we're talking about. Tennessee Titans Uncensored is a Facebook group page that was built by Titans fans for Titans fans and was founded by our very own Matt Necrone. If you're a Titans fan that's looking to talk about the latest Titan news, this is where you need to be. And you can help me shit talk to crackheads. Because nobody likes crackheads. That is Tennessee Titans Uncensored on Facebook. Tighten up. Hey, this is Ryan and Rich from the Free Parking Show. Our show is a sports podcast hosted by four sports journalists and features shows like Beers and Cheers, Par for Discourse, and our NFL preview, the 32-team parking garage. Check us out on Stitcher, Spreaker, and our website, www.freeparking.com. Hey, Titans fans, do you ever find yourself wondering what the hell's going on with Rubisky's play calling while you're watching the game? Do you wonder why a rack didn't get six sacks Have you ever wondered why our defense can shut down a star wide receiver but constantly gets burned down the middle by a backup tight end? If this sounds like you, then you need to know your enemy. Each week, Glenn Lossneiser from the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast posts a write-up about this week's upcoming game. Glenn tells you which players have the favorable matchups each week and what schemes the Titans need to use in order to succeed. It comes out Wednesday-ish each week, sometimes Thursday morning. It's on our twotoneuncensored.podbean.com page and links from the Two Tone Uncensored Facebook page as soon as it posts. It's a real quick read and he even has pictures for the kids. For the kids! You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scaife. You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored. Tighten up. And we're back from the commercial break. Uh, Glenn's going to take us through here, uh, through some stats here as we talk about this great Green Bay Packers victory that we had this week. All right, so uh, Luan got ejected right off the bat early in the game. Um, it got ejected for slapping the official's hand. I'm all for being pissed off and protecting your quarterback. But the official wasn't the guy who was going to hurt Marcus here anyway, so there was no need to slap his hand and get ejected from the game. It's awful hard to protect your quarterback from the locker room. However, Kelly did fill in really well, and like we've already said, you, you barely noticed that Luan wasn't in the game anymore. But this oh is still God. one of those. And his name is fucking Luan. I just said Luan. You said Luan. Stop with the fucking Luan. Luan. <laughs> I don't even care about Mariota anymore, but fucking Luan just irks me. I don't know why. So Luan, 
got ejected uh, for slapping official's hand. And I'm all for protecting your quarterback and uh, pushing people around and making them pay for hitting your quarterback. You can't protect your quarterback from the locker room. Slapping the official's hand is going to get you ejected every single time. The only saving grace was that Kelly filled in really well, which none of us expected. We obviously are going to have to live with a certain amount of this from Luan. Nothing, Matt? Okay. Luan. 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 Pretend there's an A in there. Just leave this shit in. Okay, we're going to make people listen to this crap. (laughs) (laughs) Or or get the fuck over it. One of the two. (laughs) You brought brought it up, man. I was just sitting there. I can hear you just grinding in your head. I will uh, say this anyway. about the about Lawan. Um, I went back and I watched the replay several times to see how egregious, you know, uh, the call actually was, or if it really was on Lawan. Um, you know, because they, they kept talking about it a hundred times over on the broadcast. Anybody who watched the game um, and knows that that unit of officials has been throwing out everybody. Um, but I asked. I have a professor here on the campus of the college that I go to who referees a lot of um, college, like lower level college football games and uh, high school games and stuff. And he's been doing it for like years. And I asked him uh, if he saw, and he said, "Yeah." And I was like, "If you do, you make that call. If that's a college game that you're refing, and you know that happens to you, do you make that call?" And he said, "Nah, not." In, he's like, "If that guy was a problem like the whole game." And that was just like icing on the cake. I make that call, but nine times out of ten, I don't make that call. I don't know, man. I I like where his head was. I know he wasn't he wasn't thinking when he pushed the ref's hand aside, but it's hard to even make that call as a referee when when basically you put your hands on the player, which you really should be doing in the first place. Uh, it was a reaction. I know a lot of people probably are a lot harder on him than I am. I got his back. I like the way he plays. He said he'll go to war for Marcus, and that's the kind of guy I want protecting my quarterback. So, I mean, I I still support him, and I think it was way overblown. Well, okay. I I agree with your last point there as far as him going to war for him. Absolutely. It was not a push away. He slapped his hand away. He was obviously pissed off. He wasn't paying attention to whose hand he was slapping. The NFL NFL won't let you breathe heavily on somebody. If you go anywhere near an official with any kind of a physical action, they are absolutely going to flag you for it. They don't necessarily eject you from the game. Uh, that's this you know crew, definitely. You would have gotten flagged by any crew, but this crew, they, they love ejecting people. They were you know putting their mark down, hey, this is going to be a chippy game. Someone's got to go right now. You know, So that's kind of what that was to me. It was just you know them putting their mark on the game like you are going – to behave because we're not going to have you guys getting out of control. Didn't seem to work, but they were certainly trying. I will say this though: is Luan does need to get a control on this, bring in the reins a little bit. He cost us a win one week. You know, he could have easily cost us a win if Kelly really didn't step up. This one doesn't seem as big of a deal because of the way that Kelly played afterward. Obviously, you know, but he cost us a win against what was it the Raiders uh, in that game because of a really stupid stupid thing that he did just out of the heat of the moment and I understand the heat of the moment but he's got to pull it in a little bit you got to be making smart decisions this was what should he gotten a flag like absolutely um, for what he did should he be ejected I don't think so but he knew going into this game that this crew likes to eject people and that you have to play smart and it only took him 
what it was i mean we scored on the first play of the first drive it was the second drive it got kicked out correct so a handful of plays into the game and the lawns out of the game you you can't be doing that let me ask you guys this he's obviously one of the top if not the top uh, left tackles in the league is he worth the headache not only is he worth the headache but would you rather have him get in these on-field issues as opposed to him having like an off the field issue constantly as like some of these other guys yeah, that's an easy exchange. I'll happily take him. Uh, it's not a question of passion or anything else. That's what makes him such a great player, which I think we can say at this point. And that's, he's a young guy for us to be saying that he's he's playing great. You, you'll take this over off the field issues that are going to get you suspended. You know, he, he could have a, a four-game substance abuse policy going on here. So we'll obviously we'll take this over the other option. And I'd rather have someone like this and someone who's even-keeled and dispassionate and just – you know, plays a technically okay game, but is never up or down. You you want this kind of leadership and this kind of passion from your, uh, particularly from your left tackle who's anchoring that side of the field. But some, somehow he's got to mature just a little bit more and avoid those moments. Yeah, I 100% agree to that. I mean, Glenn said that perfectly. Uh, you absolutely take the good with the bad when it comes with him because the good far outweighs the bad. It's just I'd like to see him you know, progress and mature a little bit so he can be go from, you know, where he's at to even higher to the next level that just completely dominating. Because if he didn't have these bonehead mistakes, then he would just be fucking perfection this season. And there's, like, that's the only thing that you can really knock him on. He doesn't give up sacks ever. He's blocking downhill. He's a fucking great run block. The dude's been doing everything that you want him to do. It's the one slight against him is the bonehead mistake. So you take that away, he's fucking perfect. Yeah, and in fairness, if people are going to question Marcus's play you know, for his one or two bonehead mistakes, you've got to question his left tackle's play too. Do you view him as a Richie Cognito type or is Taylor in a class of his own? I think he's a much better guy than Richie Cognito. Richie Cognito... Uh, incognito. He he abused his teammates. He was, he's not a good locker room guy, you know, from all accounts. That's not going to be the case with him. Tyler is just he's passionate on the field, off the field. He's an easygoing, good guy. He's good for the locker room. I don't think we're going to have any issues with him hazing the new guy. Yeah, I agree not with when, that. Not when the new guy's uh, Conklin. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I agree with that. Richie Cognito uh, is a douchebag and just like a bad teammate. And Luan is look at every interview with Luan um, that's not on the field. The dude's all smiles, joking around. You know, he's the you know the kind of the life of the party kind of a guy. Um, you don't see that with Richie Incognito. He's just a douchebag. He's definitely a different type of player. Yeah, I mean, that's how we felt. I'm sorry if that's <laughs> hey, news to you, it, but no, I let, think everybody knew. <laughs> I don't know much about Richie Incognito. I, I know bits and pieces of what happened with him hazing and whatnot, but I've heard both sides. I've heard different people say different things about him, and that's that's not really my point. My point is that, like, Luan is in a class all of his own, and I think it's definitely worth the small bit of issues that we have with him to, to have him on our team. I'm, I love having him. Yeah, as long as he doesn't cost us a shot at the playoffs you know, at the end of the year, I'm good with it. You know, and that's it's something about this team. You know, people keep nitpicking and finding problems with the team. And, you know, if when we win, you know, this week the critics will be silent. I mean, we won a convincing fashion. The coaches seem to have done everything right. The only thing we can pick on is a guy played too hard. 
and got pissed off when the official tried to push him back from while he was busy. Like I'm still yelling at this guy. Just wait. You know that that's yeah. the biggest complaint we have after this game. Other than you know Parrish Cox, he had his ups and downs this game. He's probably the only play, person on the team I can point to and go, "You could have played better." Uh, every, yeah. Everybody else seemed to do really well. Uh, and McCain even got an interception. Yeah, <laughs> it was kind of that, that bogus. Didn't count. That's it's not, it's not him being an <laughs> So quick, you know if fucking. If the, the freakest, most crazy play happened, like tip ball like gets tipped eight times and Riggs just happened to come up with it, <laughs> fucking well, Matt would be like, you see that boy, uh, stri- he read his <laughs> eyes, took it all the way back, like you would fucking give him all credit. Listen, here, no, here was the scenario. The Green Bay had one second left on the clock, and with Aaron Rodgers with one second, that's still dangerous. They can score on you. They almost did score on us. Mm-hmm. The ball got tipped up in the air four times before McCain – Tipped it himself, which in that situation, you bat the ball down. You don't go for the pick. Then he tries to run it out 30 yards and goes. He, he knew he wasn't going anywhere. That shit shouldn't even have counted. Matt, Matt's not bad mad at him at all. I mean, he's like, in that situation, you shouldn't be tipping the ball to yourself and getting an interception. He should have batted the ball down. Well, if it had been it, anybody else, you're okay with it. But no, late, when it's when it came, came, I wouldn't say anyone else. I wouldn't say when anyone else, but if it was Riggs, he would have been like, you see Riggs get that interception? <laughs> he almost took that shit to the house. <laughs> Riggs would have taken it to the house. <laughs> there it is. Of course he man, but no. <laughs> when, when it gets tipped up four times and there's a chance, that, you know, the whole time when we're up by all those, whatever it was, 20, 25 points, the whole time I'm thinking this team can come back at any time. Like, I was not very comfortable with that lead. And oh, with absolutely. one second left on the clock – Rogers got the ball down there. There's three or four receivers in the end zone, and we're playing fucking volleyball in the end zone. And Bryce McCain decides instead of knocking it down when he has the chance, he wants to catch and and run for 20 yards. I don't know. No, I'm just giving you shit, Matt. I agree with you. That instance, you bat the ball to the ground. There's no question. You don't go for the interception. You don't need it. You know, we we didn't need it at the time. We you bat the ball to the ground. I agree with you. I just had to give you shit about Riggs. It could have possibly cost us the game anyway. I mean, if they had scored, they still lost. It didn't matter. He just wanted to be like, oh, I got an interception. Same with, oh, like, yes, pa- with Parrish Cox. trying to save his job. <laughs> it was thrown right to him. No like, effort. All you did is not drop the ball. I could have made that interception. Maybe. I wanted to ask you guys this. I wanted to talk about it because something I noticed was Blake didn't play all that bad of a game. And I know we give him a lot of shit on this show, and he deserves most of it, if not all of it. But I saw him make a couple plays in this game where I was just like, right on. Like, there he – I mean, he was, like, right there. And he, and he played – I mean, it wasn't great, but for his talent level, for what we expected of him, I thought he did a pretty good job this week. He did better than Cox. I'll definitely give him that. My favorite play of Blake was when um, Green Bay's punter muffed the ball and LaShawn uh, Sims recovered it. My boy Blake was pointing in the wrong direction, telling the refs that Green Bay had the ball when we had it. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was like good. the only thing I noticed about Blake the entire game was him pointing in the wrong direction. <laughs> Every, everybody that I've talked to, and I didn't think he played exceptional. I will say he played better than Cox, but a lot of people were like, oh, he played well, he played well. So whatever, for what it's worth, I, I think we should put Cox in the nickel because he is better there. Well, you I know, noticed- Blake playing well is he didn't give up 400 yards. I noticed yes. one play that, that stuck out to me where it was, I believe it was Devontae Adams he was covering, um, and they tried to take a shot down the field, and uh, Blake had him in his hip pocket the entire time and, you know, tipped the ball just so it just went, plopped right over top of the receiver's hands. And it was just a really good play. I mean, it was I think it was a hitch-and-go route um, or stop-and-go, and 
and uh, he didn't get fooled, kept the dude in his hip pocket, and made a decent play on, um, to you know keep the ball out of his hands. That's one that stuck out to me. Obviously, that you guys and fucking calling first down the wrong Jordy way. Jordy Nelson, I can't remember. I think it was third quarter maybe. He didn't even – he caught the ball, and it was him and Cox, and Cox was about to square up with him. Jordy didn't touch him whatsoever. He literally made, like, the slightest juke move, put Parrish on the ground, and just ran right by him. Yeah. yeah. Back-to-back back back plays, he had just abused Cox. Cox had no answer for him. You know, but as far as Blake staying on to Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams is a quick guy, but he's not very fast. I expect Blake to be able to hang with him. You just heard Glenn say abused Cox, but I'm, I'm out. That's it. That's all abused the humor I've left. That's, that's probably all we need at this point. Jordy Nelson abuses Cox. Good night. <laughs> Good night. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so my, my main thing, my main point here, and you know, we'll kind of run through the stats real quick. Is what do Titans fans need to make them come out and support this team? I know we already touched on this somewhat. I, I got I got a few more stats left from what we already went over, and it's just if the Packers are able to bring in that many people to the game, that means that many tickets were available. The, the Titans are in position to possibly make the playoffs. Marcus is on a uh, record-setting tear as far as this franchise goes. Uh, he's the first Titans quarterback to throw for 20 touchdowns in a season since Steve McNair did it in 2003 when McNair was the uh, league's co-MVP. Why is that not good enough for our fans? The Titans have scored Titans 47 points as their most since 2009. It came against one of the better defenses in the league. I mean, overall, the Packers were seventh in defense. We put up 47 on them. Even with their injuries, we put up 47 on them. Three consecutive games of 35 points or more. This 35 points in the first half, that ties Mariota's first game as a Titan against the Buccaneers last year. Uh, we already brought up that Mariota tied Hall of Famer Warren Moon's six-game consecutive two-touchdown two streak. Uh, he's got two of the top three franchise passer ratings ever. He did it in three weeks. I mean, what, what more do they want from this kid before the fans come out and support him and support our team? One that we haven't talked about yet is uh, DeMarco Murray. Five straight games with a rushing touchdown that ties the franchise record with Earl Campbell as well. Yeah, that was the next thing I was talking about right now, though. So, thanks. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying it's just <laughs> – I will say that, like, there's that was no literally excuse. the next thing I had up here. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, that's how good I am, Glenn. Uh, I will say that there's no excuse for the it. Question and move on. <laughs> there's no excuse. Oh, I was just adding on to what you were saying, but there's no excuse for it to this point. But I will say this: if they don't show up after this game, that then there's nothing. There's nothing that's going to get them. If you don't show up after, just fucking destroying a good football team at home like that, then you're just not going to go. Like, you're never going to go if you're not excited to go to a Titans game right now. Exactly. Um, one thing I've learned over the last year, year and a half, after making this Facebook group and, and meeting all these people, and not only in Nashville, but in Texas, all over the country, doesn't matter where, there's about, and I might be a little too generous, maybe 15% of the fan base that I actually like. There's a lot of douchebags out there. The Nashville crowd, they have their reasons, and I'm Matt's not, there, not talking so we, about we, we you if you're listening the to the show. You're but, not part of the douchebags if you listen. Maybe. <laughs> right. No, but um, one other stat I do want to throw out there, the one that you forgot with Mariota, 
the red zone streak is now up to 30 and oh so i mean if you're not supporting them and if it's because you're financially strapped or whatever the case then nobody's talking to you but if you are sitting at home bitching about the team's not putting together a winning team you're not watching titans football because now's the time to be there now's the time where they need you to be there and all those Green Bay fans that made the trip, whether they were local Nashville citizens or not, you know, whether they drove far or they drove down the street to watch the Green Bay get their ass whooped, I mean, it, it made it all worth it to me. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the Packers are going to travel well wherever they go, but this was ridiculous. You have to show up and support your team at home. And just because we don't have a great record, is we have a much better record than we've had in years. The, you know, the Titans are Looking better. They have promise. This is the time to get on board before the bandwagon fills up. I can't say the bandwagon is full because no one still goes to the game. You know, once people start going to the game and it's sold out, then the bandwagon is full. Like it's like going to a Patriots game. You can't get on that bandwagon anymore. It's over. You know, the Titans still got some room. I forgot to mention this, but there's a few guys around my area that are Titans fans, and you run into them every now and again. We pretty much all know each other. But there's a kid that I saw walking around in a San Francisco jersey about a week ago, and today he had a Tennessee Titans hat and T-shirt on. So I, th- I think we're starting. It was st- we're starting to see the the bandwagon start. Yeah, they're out there for sure. They're definitely out there. There's in South Carolina. I know. Um, I didn't grow up here, so in Pennsylvania, even did not know one Titan fan growing up. Not one. So I mean, I, anytime. Anything Titans-related happens nationally. My friends in Pennsylvania think of me and only me. Down here, I got a couple guys at work who claim to be fans. I don't know if it was more the one guy's more of like a Chris Johnson fan because he doesn't know shit about the team. I don't even acknowledge those guys. They don't know anything. And I mean, they've been claiming the team for a couple years now, so it's not like this new thing to them, but they still don't know. They're not true fans, in my opinion. Yeah, I work with people that lived in Nashville you know, during the Steve McNair time, and they can't name anything that's happened to the team since then. They get most of their things about Steve McNair's time with the team wrong. So I always say they weren't Titans fans when they were there. And whenever Marcus has a really good game, they come up talking to me about it. And I'm just, stop. <laughs> so I appreciate your interest. Hop on, give us some listens on uh, iTunes here. But we'll take what we can get. <laughs> But I, I don't we'll talk Titans football with somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about and doesn't care. I have a Jags fan at work that can talk Titans with me all day long because, well, her Jaguars suck, and she knows it. Yeah. I love how quick we backpedaled there, fucking selling our souls to the devil. We're like, Absolutely. man, we're tired of these bullshit fans, but if you're listening, you're <laughs> fucking perfect, and, and we love you and keep listening. <laughs> hey, I am available to be bought out. I, I've made this clear repeatedly. If, if someone wants to bribe me, I can be bought. Dude, I'll sell out harder than Metallica in the early 90s. Wow. Glenn, you're a cheap whore. I'm not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. It, it, am I really a whore if I admit it? Uh, yeah. I'm not sure how that yeah, works. Yeah, how, how is that? Like, a, like they're not antidotes. <laughs> like, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know. I like. I was about to go with uh, Murray uh, tying Earl Campbell's franchise record. Probably beats it this next week because yeah, yeah, we already know that. Glenn Ryan already told us. Shut up. Yeah, you're a little no. bit behind. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was sleeping during the show, like most of the people who are trying to listen to this crap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So last time we played the Colts, 
uh, we, we saw the Colts come out with a completely different blocking scheme than they, you know, I think we've ever seen them use. They were basically selling out for pass protection, and we couldn't get any pressure on Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck kind of tore us up with two weapons. I mean, all he had going on was Doyle and Hilton, and that was all he needed. He uh, absolutely ripped us up with them. What do you think the Titans will do differently on defense to change that this time around? Take chances. I think you're going to see them blitz guys that they don't normally blitz, uh, get corners involved, uh, maybe get safeties involved, get exotic uh, blitz packages. We know that this team is willing to take chances after what we saw this week. And we have one of the greatest defensive football minds to ever grace this planet, and Dick LeBeau. I'm sure he has a lot um, prepared for the Colts this week. And the other thing is this. If we score fucking 47, it won't fucking matter what we do on defense. Yeah, I think, honestly, the best defense in this case is offense. Honestly, man, I, and they're going to have Dante Moncrief back this time. And I don't think, even though that's a um, definitely a huge weapon for them, that may even help us because, obviously, everybody knows we cannot cover a tight end to save our life. Maybe having another weapon out there will give them another option. I don't think the Colts' passing offense – is as potent as Green Bay's as far as talent at receiver or even talent at quarterback. You could compare the two, I suppose, but I still give the slight edge to Green Bay in, the, in those two categories. That being said, you know, Green Bay still put up 370 on us. It's not like we shut them down by any means. We got to go out, balls to the wall, score points. And, you know, if we can do that, if we can click on offense, I think the rest will all fall into place. But one thing we didn't do last time was get pressure on Luck. That's that's obviously what we have to do. So Matt's theory is if you give Luck too many options, he'll make mistakes. Yes, sir. We'll go with that because we didn't get any pressure on him last time. Now, last, last time, the pressure couldn't get to him. He was making just little movements, just, you know, one step here, one step there, just to completely – negate the pass rush, you know, it, it showed why he's become such a good quarterback. I don't know what the Titans can do other than like what Ryan said, just, you know, randomly mix it up and send people we don't normally send. I think maybe we see some more corner blitzes because um, we set the house last time and we couldn't get there. So unless the Colts come out with more of a spread now that they got, you know, Moncrief back, now that the team's a little bit healthier, they are coming off a bye, so they've had a couple of weeks to game plan for this game. I'm sure we will get some different looks from them. Um, if we come out there looking blitz heavy, maybe they go ahead and stack it back in there again. I just, I'm not sure what the Titans can do to get the pass rush there other than just bring faster pressure off the edge because we couldn't get there anywhere up the middle. Uh, we didn't have any interior push last time. That's why Luck was able to just, you know, step forward one step and just be, you know, free to stand there and uh, distribute the ball again. Obviously, something different is going to have to happen on the defense. They're, they're going to have to either knock the receivers off their routes, double doyle, or bring some kind of really fast pressure off the edge, I think, to make any difference as far as the defensive side of things. Offensively, like you guys said, if we just go out there and score 45, it's all good. Yeah, the two things, and, and one goes hand-in-hand hand with the pass rush, is forcing turnovers. You know, that was – we talked about it earlier. That was a big reason why we – uh, beat Green Bay like we did is that plus three turnover margin. Uh, you know, obviously that's a gigantic help in any football game, uh, and something that we need to focus on when we play the Colts is getting 
the ball and protecting it when we're on offense, but getting turnovers, obviously huge for us in that game, or huge for us, uh, and that would be a difference maker. Another thing is we didn't have Derrick Henry, and I know he doesn't get a ton of carries and stuff, but as big and as nasty as he is, he does, you know, weaken the defensive front and make it easier for, you know, passing lanes or for running lanes to open for DeMarco Murray. So, you know, that was a big deal too, I think. Something that we have this time that we didn't have last time. Breaking news, Valentino Blake just made the come on man segment. Come on, man. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh rightfully so. And one thing we didn't cover, and I know this is out of order, but that's what I do. So we didn't cut. We didn't talk about the Tajay uh, touchdown with his celebration. What did you guys think about the celebration? <laughs> yeah, I liked it. Putting the sleepers, the uh, put, putting the haters to bed, or right. you know, I didn't know if it was that or just the uh, "don't sleep on me" thing is what he was saying. I, I wasn't sure which one he was doing, but yeah, it was nice Either to way. see him finally score. Uh, I would have rather have not gotten the penalty. It didn't matter in this game. Just don't make a habit of it, young man. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Uh, you know, the penalties suck, but you can't do anything in the end zone anymore in the NFL uh, hey. without getting a flag thrown. So, I mean, that sucks. But I, I liked it. I thought it was cool and, it, like, unique, something we haven't seen before, uh, rather than just, you know, going in there and spiking the football or, you know, sending a message. I liked it. The penalty, I mean, it sucks, but f- fucking stupid NFL, you can't do anything anymore. That's not his character, anyway. You only get one first touchdown, man. That's that's why he did what he did. I'm, I don't. Oh think yeah, I agree. See that again. No, but, I, exactly. Uh, I'm just amazed it took this long for it to happen. Yeah, as long as you don't pull a sharpie out of your pants, I'll be I'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, let's avoid any more uh, highlight reel uh, fines from people scoring touchdowns. I mean, obviously that sharpie incident wasn't us, but I, I'd like this this to be the last time we do that this year, you know, focus on winning games and acting like we've been there before that yeah, well, he hadn't been there before. So he's allowed that one. All right. On defense, you know, st- sticking with that. Do you think Bayard stays in there full time now? <laughs> I hope so, man. I'm real high on this kid. You guys are, are fairly high on him as well, I would imagine. But, I mean, I, I really think that he's going to be one of the top guys in the league in the, in the coming years. If he's not the best defender, I mean, he, he, his skills aren't all the way there yet. Obviously, I know there's some guys who have way more experience than him. But uh, he's definitely the, the golden piece in the secondary. I mean, Matt will tell you he's no Cody Riggs, but, you know, it is impressive right. what he's been able to do. No, the kid's, <laughs> the kid's a stud, man. Absolute stud. Love watching him play. Uh, I think he should have been starting earlier than now. We were we've been talking about it on the show. You know, finally Mar- Malarkey tuned in and and got the message, so he got to start this week. He's been playing really good football, and as young as he is, there's just a lot of really young talent on this team, man. That's the other thing that just so exciting is you look at guys like Conklin and guys like Byard and and guys like DeMar- uh, Derrick Henry. I mean, those are all rookies that. I've been playing outstandingly well, um, and it's, it's, it's exciting. It's very exciting time to be a Tennessee Titans football fan, uh, and Bayard adds to that for sure. Kid's a hell of a football player, and I can't wait to see what he does in the future. Yeah, and going back to that, how how ironic is it that we all, well, especially Glenn, 
well, we all pretty much thought that Austin Johnson was going to have a huge impact this season. He hasn't even played a game this year. Well, he might have played. No, he played. He didn't do shit. Well, he, he's <laughs> he been inactive. He's been inactive way more than he, than he's been active. So. Oh yeah, no, it, it's really odd to me that he hasn't been more involved. It's almost as bad as the uh, the Rams not starting their quarterback. I just I don't see what he could be doing. It's so bad. He doesn't even get to dress for the games and be a part of the rotation. Oh, that kid! All he did in college is RPOs, man. He doesn't know how to throw the football against an NFL defense. That's a smart move for them. But <laughs> I was going to say, with Austin Johnson, too, we had to pick. I remember at the beginning of the year, I don't know if you guys remember or not, we picked like our impact rookie, the guy that, that we liked, that we you know really back and that we thought would make a difference. And Glenn picked Austin Johnson. I picked Kevin Dodd, who has done equally just as much, just as much for the team. Uh, Matt, I believe you picked Tajay, which you know he got his first touchdown. So I, I guess you're winning in that category <laughs> by default. Which I would say it's not saying much, but sure. Yeah, yeah. No. Byard was a guy that no one really knew anything about coming out. So it's not surprising that we didn't pick him, and we saw a lot more of the other guys, you know, and. Sharp being the you know, collegiate leader in receptions, it was a reasonable assumption that he would have a pretty good season, given what we thought of the rest of the uh, receiving core. The, the fact that those other guys are getting a chance to step up hopefully just means that the talent in front of them is playing that well. Austin Johnson, he, it completely confuses me, but if Al Woods is playing well enough to hold down the spot, you know, I guess we leave it alone. Yeah, I agree. The thing about Byard is, though, man, I mean, he wasn't even invited to the combine. That's why people questioned it the, the third round pick because it was it was too high of a pick. But I mean, we had the we had a bird's eye view on the guy from Middle Tennessee, and um, he killed it inside the the you know the interviews. I mean, you can tell when he's on the field. He's got a veteran presence, and, and he's what is he twenty two, twenty three years old? Yeah, it's a, he, he does have that. He doesn't act like a, a rookie. Like that's for sure. He comes in. He came in ready to work, man. He came in day one ready to work, and coming from that, a small school has that chip on his shoulder, and and you know I just hope he doesn't lose it. I mean, you're definitely right, Matt. He does not act like a young. He acts like he's been there before. Well, I'm waiting to see those 19 collegiate interceptions turn over to the NFL interceptions because well, we need him. It would be nice if he wanted a tear from here. He's got his first sack, so maybe he goes on a run from now on and he makes you know at least one big play a game for the rest of the season and becomes you know rookie of the year conversation. I don't think you could possibly get it over Zeke no. Elliott, but you know still no way, <laughs> no way. <laughs> I think Elliott's no. already won that. It, it's already over. No, but it's great to have him as a rookie learn from Dick LeBeau because I mean we're using him all over the place. He's going to do so well under LeBeau, and I don't know how long Dick will be here, but. I'm sure he's soaked up everything he can so far. He's definitely becoming our Paul Amalu kind of guy. Dude, yep. Dick LeBeau's ageless. He's going to outlive us all. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. The cops keep coming to my house. He'll outlive me for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Don't need that. <laughs> you hear me calling collect to the show next week? Yep, yep. Do you accept the charges? <laughs> I got to do the show, guys. Hurry up. <laughs> Only got 30 minutes. <laughs> Dude, Shit, I might try to rec- you, guys, you got 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. you, get, you get 10 minutes of that. Well, might... as long as you voted Republican in this election, you're allowed 30 minutes. Oh. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm screwed. Never mind. All right. Anyway, back to the game. So, obviously, the Colts sold out last time trying to shut down the running game. 
if they do that again, I think the Titans are a little bit more comfortable going to the air like we saw this week. Do you think that the Titans end up being balanced with Murray getting his 100 yards and Marcus getting his four or five touchdowns, which is just, you know, what he does now, not a big deal? <laughs> or, or is it a little bit lower scoring for our offense this time around? Well, I think it's going to be lower scoring just because it's hard to keep uh, 47 going in a, in a, you know, on a streak. It's hard to keep those kind of numbers. But I expect us to put up over 30 now. I mean, keep that streak going. The way we've been playing, and they're decent up front. Um, you know, I think they're better than a lot of people realize up front, the Colts are. Uh, but they're terrible on the back end of their defense, and I think that's something we can take advantage of. Uh, especially, I don't think we did enough of it in the last game, and and having Derrick Henry back, as I was saying earlier, will help us out in the running game, break some of those guys loose, hit people right in the mouth, and get them to back off a little bit. But yeah, I think that we're ready to go to the air, and I was just so happy to see how aggressive we were. We keep that aggressive play calling up. Now, there's no way the Colts stay with us. Yeah, that's the key, is being aggressive. I know we're not putting up I don't think we put up 35 points, but I do think I think that is going to be a streak that ends. But I don't think we need to put up more than 28 to win this game. I don't expect to see an onside kick to start the game, but I do think we see something like a fake punt or something along those lines. I don't know if it was because of the the myth of Green Bay that they're such a strong offensive powerhouse that we needed to do that to contend, but I like the idea because that's the key to win games. When you have when you have a shaky secondary and you know Andrew Luck's going to throw on you, you got to put up points to match him. He's not to the point where he's not going to make mistakes. He made mistakes against us the first time around. We just couldn't capitalize on him. You just got to be aggressive. That's the main thing. I want us to be aggressive. I don't want us to be you know foolhardy and taking shots that we don't need to take. But definitely, we've seen a real uptake in them taking shots down the field. Uh, the team takes more chances while still being safe. Uh, we're going to end up running the ball with Marcus a little bit here and there. Uh, I think it's just going to be a weekly thing. And we're going to take our shots downfield. Now that the receivers are stepping up and they're playing a little bit better, really they're fighting for the ball better than they were before. Ever since Andre retired, the receivers have been playing harder. Like, you know, they understand that they're yeah. going to have to step up and make that play. You guys have anything else to add for this game? What do you guys have in your predictions for this week? Well, a bold prediction is that Kevin Byard gets his first interception for a touchdown. And we win this game 28-13. Matt, if, if that prediction comes true, I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but I'm going to have to do something outlandish. You know, that, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's fair. Just try to stay out of jail, Glenn. That's all we need from you right now. You know what, man? I ain't scared of jail. <laughs> you know, like I said earlier, I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. <laughs> Big have, have, dog. You ever, have you ever been in the shower with another man and the soap was running down the crack of his ass? And, oh, 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 sorry, sorry. What? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> left turn. <All> right. <laughs> Turn off. No, 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 that I'm surprised, Matt, I'm surprised that Matt's still in the call because that made me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I got to go, guys. <laughs> That's from uh, Don't Be a Mess of Society while drinking your gin and juice in the hood. If you haven't seen that film, I highly recommend it. It would go well with the quality of this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get on my right. prediction here. My prediction, I'll do my bold prediction the, to keep with Matt's theme. 
my bold prediction is Mario had a perfect passer rating in this game. Uh, he gets yeah. that, was that 153.8. We'll see him get that. Uh, for my prediction on the score, 35, no, we'll go uh, 38-31 Titans. I'm going to say uh, at least two records are broken in this game. I'm going to say Murray breaks uh, Earl's franchise record. That, that would be a good positive move towards us winning. And I'm going to say that Marcus beats Warren Moon's record and throws for the seventh game in a row with two touchdowns. It's not uh, bold. I didn't say it was bold. I just said those are my predictions. <laughs> my bold prediction is that Matt cries during this game. Because we win and I'm so happy. I'll take it. Whatever also not happy. bold. <laughs> <laughs> Matt cries a lot. It's true. So I'm going to say uh, 31-27 Titans win. Clean sweep then. For everybody out there, if you're in the in- Indianapolis area, go to the game. Let's take home field advantage away from the Colts. Let's do it to somebody else for change uh, rather than it happening to us all the time. Also, be sure to check out the Know Your Enemy article that Glenn writes. It'll be up you know, sometime Wednesday, Thursday. He always gets them up then, so you have plenty of time to read it uh, before the matchup on Sunday. And also check us out, twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or on the Podbean app or on iTunes. We're, you know, we're fucking everywhere. Just go listen to the show. For Christ's sake... That's it. I would Settle like to down, apologize <laughs> for the, uh, the the solid effort we put in here. Uh, I thought that the you know the police, the ambulance, the fire engine being at my house would have rattled me, but apparently it shook these two guys up too because we all suck tonight. Damn, I think what? the energy in this show's the best that we probably ever had. Good, good energy, bad focus. Oh, well, I'm drunk. I'm, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I don't. Okay, let's go ahead and reveal something to the uh, the listeners. Other than Ryan, who's in concussion protocol because he took a uh, beanie baby to the head earlier, <laughs> Matt and I did uh, made an agreement that we would use a shot for every touchdown that the Titans scored or for every point. So that was seven shots to start out the show. I don't know if Matt followed through with all of it. I know I did. Uh, <laughs> Motherfucker, I we, hey, we can, we can Skype it out, bro. We'll do it before the show every time. I don't care. I'm good with it. I I I will throw down. I'm, I come off of concussion protocol and and fuck you, Glenn. That beanie baby was a hard one. <laughs> but I come off uh, to to yeah, tomorrow. So well, you know that that fourth grader that threw that beanie baby, she had a hell of an arm. Dude, cannon. Matt Castle's little girl must have been. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all we got for the show. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, thanks to my two drunken hosts, Glenn and Matt. Always a pleasure doing the show with you guys. And let's get another fucking W. Tighten up. Tighten up! Is this real? <laughs> thanks for listening to the Two Tone Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook. <laughs>